Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Y'all doing all right today? Yeah. Listen, if today is your first time or you're a longtime family member, as always, we are so glad that you're hanging out with us today. If I've never had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Quentin. My wife, Jennifer, and I have the great privilege of being the pastors of this church. Anyways, listen, today, uh, I don't want to take up too much time because we have a special guest with us today, uh, a young man who is quickly becoming a good friend. Six months ago, I think, about the time we, I got an email from this guy, and uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, basically have heard from someone or heard of someone and immediately thought Jesus is in that. And, uh, and so when I, when I got an email uh, from our guest today, immediately I thought, okay, Lord, there's something there from, from you. And uh, I don't know, about three months later, we end up on a, on a FaceTime call, and immediately I fell in love with the guy's heart. And I guess really, even a while ago, just in worship, what the Lord, uh, I guess, just kind of reminded me of, of an old quote by A.W. Tozer. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. But he said this. He said, basically, I pity or I feel sorry for the man that's trying to do everything, basically, that he can do. Basically, that God, when God gives a man a vision, it'll be so big that it'll cause him to have to fall on his knees and cry out to God for help, right? And so today, we're going to hear from a man that definitely has a vision from God that is that big, that he has to fall on his face, go, God, I can't do this on my own. I have to have you. And so I'm going to encourage you today, as he comes, you know, he's going to give us kind of a, an idea of what's happening in their ministry. Uh, you know, several months ago as, as a church, we began to partner with these guys and support them. So I'm really looking forward to you, uh, for you to be able to hear what you're being a part of already without you maybe even knowing it. And then I want you to open up your heart because I believe he's got a word from God for us today. So please get hungry and just go, Jesus, please speak to me because I think you will. Amen. So if you can, welcome my friend Gary Bolton from Ireland. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Quinton. It's so good to be here. Yeah, it's amazing how God connects his people, right? And when he calls us to do something, our, our responsibility is to obey, not to try and figure everything out. Just one step at a time. And the only step God requires us to take is the next step. Okay, sometimes we can become overwhelmed or, you know, we see the flight of stairs and we're like, oh gosh, you know. The Lord says one step at a time. Just one day at a time. And that's that's the the key to living with Jesus. It's such an honor to be here today. Um, Yeah, I'm all, all, all the way from Ireland. And I've ended up in Rockport, Maine. And I'm very, very thankful. Very thankful. This is fast becoming one of my favorite churches in the United States. Um, So God has called us to plant churches right across Ireland. Uh, We have a ministry called Ireland for Jesus. And we're also connected into a sending organization based in Fort Myers in Florida called New International. Um, And they vouch for us here in the U.S. and champion us. And we also have a regional director from New International, who's based in Edinburgh, Scotland. Can everyone follow me okay with the accent? I'm not speaking too fast, am I? Okay, that's good. That's good. Do you like the Irish accent? Oh, yeah, that makes me feel at home. Yeah. I can maybe move here, Quentin. I, w- I went to their house last night. They, wow, they treated me like a king. And my poor wife, she's at home with seven kids. 
It's not really fair, is it? Lord help her. She's an incredible woman. I'm going to show you a picture of her here. We're going to speak on this topic, devoted prayer. This is my wife, Catherine. Let me hear. No, I want to hear. Ah. She's an incredible woman. I love her so much. We got married in the year 2000. She followed Jesus in her early teens and got away from the Lord. Um, but the Lord never got away from her. Isn't that good news? Teenage years, they're difficult. Parenting teenagers, difficult. Jesus knows all about it. He was a teenager once. His parents lost him, remember, as a little boy? He was going about his father's will. He was a different, a different type of kid. He was, he was separated from his parents serving Jesus. That's our prayer for our kids, Lord. May they be children who do your will. Well, I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. Catherine was. We went to the same high school together, and we, we never talked once. Honestly, we were in the same classes for two years. She sat at the back of the class getting on with her work. I still can't figure out why the teacher put me at the front of the class. Any answers on a postcard afterwards? Any suggestions? And um, we graduated from high school and went on about our lives. I'm indebted to a, a female evangelist from the city of Belfast, Northern Ireland, where I'm from. And she made it her goal to go in and around the housing communities of inner city Belfast and befriend children and their parents and bring the kids along to Sunday school. She used to pile us all into her car and always to hang out the sunroof and hang out the windows. And she's only supposed to have four kids in the car and she had eight. And uh, in the name of Jesus, she said, get in there, one more, one more. And she had a heart for boys and girls, and I was one of those little boys. And I feel so incredibly humbled by that, that the Lord would see me as a kid and bring me along to that little Sunday school. And that's where the Word of God was sown in my heart. I never made a profession of faith in those days. Um, I stopped going to the Sunday school, the, the kids' programs in church at, when I started high school, too cool for church. But fast forward um, to 1997. It was April, the month of April, and I was going out this Saturday night to um, a dive of a place, a nightclub, drugs and alcohol abuse, and it was a terrible place, and I couldn't believe it that night. I, I saw Catherine there, and she was there too, and we got chatting, and I actually said to her that night, you gave me the impression that you followed Jesus at school. What are you doing in a place like this? And she was like really embarrassed, but anyway, we began dating. Three months later, she introduced me to her mom, and I recognized her mom, and her mom recognized me. She was one of the Sunday school teachers in the little church that I attended as a boy. Jesus went out of his way to visit a nightclub in Belfast City Center in April 1997. I want to encourage you today. No person is too far from the kingdom of God. Jesus is famous for this stuff. He specializes in it. He's an expert. He's got all the qualifications, all the credentials to go out of his way to meet sinners, to meet rebels, to meet atheists, to meet, you know, the, as, as Paul called, called, called himself, the chief of sinners. Can I encourage you today for your son or daughter, your family member? Let's hang on. Let's, let's keep trusting. Yeah, so from April 1997 to October 97, God just broke me down, broke me down, tracked me down. You know, I find myself walking our family dog around the community, and I started singing the songs that I was taught at Sunday school as the Spirit regenerated my heart. And, you know, 
songs like this. Jesus came along and he touched me. And I will never be the same. He touched me by his mighty power. And I was like, what is happening to me? You know, as the life of God was coming into me, as I was looking to Jesus. Well, anyway, the the verbal expression of that was on the 21st of October, 1997. I made my way back to the little church about five miles from where I lived at the time. And there was a prayer meeting on. I got saved in a prayer meeting. How cool is that? And, and, and the pastor who pastored the church even back in Sunday school days, he says, what are you doing here? I haven't seen you in years. I said, pastor, I've got a huge problem. I've got this huge weight of sin on my shoulders. I've lived in rebellion uh, against God, and I, I need his forgiveness. I need, I need the cleansing blood of Jesus. And there on that night, he pointed me to Jesus, and he led me in, in, in a sinner's prayer. And my life changed radically, instantly. And I know, some, you know sometimes people's conversion experiences are different. That's how it was for me. I didn't have a Christian background. My eyes were opened. I started devouring the scriptures. I, didn't have an, I left school without an education. God redeemed that. I went back and studied at night class for two years. Then I did an undergraduate degree in theology. Then I did a master's degree in theology. And I started preaching around the churches around Ireland. I got involved in short-term mission trips and church leadership. And I say to people... My call to ministry happened on the same night as my conversion. Do you know when I would hear people talking about their call to ministry? And that is amazing, and that does happen. I'm like, oh, when was mine? Well, I became all worried. And the Lord says, yours happened on the same night you got saved. And that's what happened to me. I was radically born again of the Holy Spirit. And God's call was on my life. And I remember telling my, my wife that I'd come to Jesus, and she says, oh, no, what did you do that for? She wasn't my wife at the time, of course. And um, she knew Jesus was coming after her. And she, in, January ni- in January 1998, January 98, can you make that out? Eight, 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 eight. Are you okay with the eight? Yeah, okay, 1998. I take her to the evangelistic rally in Belfast, and she weeps and weeps and weeps her way back to the cross. And we got married in the year 2000, and God has blessed us with a few children. You'll see them here. Yeah, this is a great strategy for church planting. We are in a church planting ministry, Ireland for Jesus. God has blessed us with uh, four, four, four daughters and three sons. Almost forgot there. Oh dear, I hope my wife's not listening to the recording. So there they are. Uh, there's Isaac, is my boy. He's taller than me now. And over to the right with the white cardigans, Grace. Uh, the far left here is Esther, and then Lois is, is the one with the, uh, the gray zip-up, the long hair. Behind her, to my right, is Micah, the little girl in the front who we couldn't get to smile. We tried everything. She's called uh, Phoebe, and Josh is in the front. He's six. So 20 down to six, and we're incredibly blessed to have all of these kids, and it's all by the grace of God. You know, he's been so good and so kind to us. So I want to show you a few pictures of Ireland quickly. Is that okay? Anyone been to the Cliffs of Moher? Yeah. Who wants to go back? Yeah. Anyone who comes to Ireland, sees the scenes and tastes the food, wants to go back. By the way, Ireland is a nation of rich Christian heritage. You know, going away back to the 5th century, St. Patrick planted hundreds of churches and baptized thousands of people. There were no airplanes. There's no internet. 
and he and his team came to Ireland. I'll let you into a secret, and I'll not even charge you for it, okay? St. Patrick wasn't Irish, okay? He was from mainland Britain, actually captured and taken as a slave to Ireland. Then he escaped supernaturally, and God called him back to the people who enslaved him. So there you are. And we have, a, we have a center when you come. You guys are going to come to Ireland. I know you are. God's connecting us with this church. It's very, very evident. And um, you'll see the history. We have a center called St. Patrick's Center, which gives the history of the true St. Patrick. You know, not just beer and turning rivers green. We're talking about like fiery preaching, <laughs> conversion, baptisms, you know, winning a nation for Jesus. So Ireland for Jesus, uh, church planting ministry is all about really seeing the nation of Ireland revived again, okay? You may not know this, but Southern Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, so is, is actually uh, only 1% evangelical. And we have a huge need for um, the gospel and to preach again and, and to take the message of Christ out. But there's incredible openness now. And it's a case of who has the courage, who's going to go, you know, who's going to preach, so this is Ireland, the Cliffs of Moher. We have the Rock of Cashel in County Tipperary. We've got all these castles all over Ireland. And then we have the city of Dublin next, two million people. It's the fastest growing city in the world. It's always Dublin. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's, that's poor, isn't it? Oh, dear. Yeah, so there's seven million people in, in Ireland as a whole. Uh, two million of them are in Dublin. I'm from the the north and, 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 and Belfast, but our ministry is right across Ireland. Back in 2012, God called us to plant the church in a city called Lisburn. It's about 30 minutes drive from Belfast, uh, in between two housing estates, one Catholic, one Protestant. And you know the problems we've had over the years with Catholics and Protestants. And it's different there than it is here. There, Catholic, Protestant, rather than being connected to faith in Jesus, it's more tribal term, more a political term, more to do with territory. And God called us and gave us this incredible building right in the center between the two housing communities. And the call was to preach Christ and bring reconciliation to divided communities through the gospel of Christ. And what a joy it was to look down on a Sunday morning and see people who were divided, united in Christ. So that was 2012. We did all sorts of things to reach people. Um, we established the counseling center and, you know, like the programs you have going here, youth programs and kids programs. But there was one concept that God gave us, a strategy from heaven that was an incredible and continues to be an incredible blessing to the Journey Church. Um, and we believe it's, it's something of a model that God has given us for Ireland. And it is, we opened the center, you'll see, it, it, we called it Happy Days. That's like a little greeting in Ireland. That's like, if you said to me, Gary, I'm off work next week, and I just can't wait just to chill out at home and be in my pajamas all day and do nothing. I would say, happy days. <laughs> so we called the center Happy Days. It's as a kid's indoor adventure playground, probably about the size of this room with climbing frames and slides and a cafe. And we started to see about 500 people a week come through the center. And we would build relationships and pray for people and share the gospel. And we charged a, we charged a small fee, about $7 per child for about 90-minute session. And the kids, the parents don't pay. And the way we looked at it, every person who came through those doors, the same doors um, as you come through on Sunday morning church to get into this center, we looked at it that every person who came to the center was, was coming to church. Because we opened it Tuesday to Saturday, 9 to 5. And then we started seeing people turn up at Sunday morning church. So 
this is Happy Days, a beautiful cafe. We'd advertise all the youth programs of the church and evangelistic programs and, and cycling programs and women's fitness programs and anything to connect with people, to build relationships, to share the gospel. This is the Journey Church. And then everything began to change for us in April 2020. You'll see here a picture of a famous bridge in the center of Belfast. It's called the Lagan Weir Footbridge. The yellow cranes in the background, that's where the Titanic ship was built, just right in that area. This is a historic area of, of Belfast. And I was standing on the bridge, leaning on that brown wooden rail, looking out over the river Lagan. God spoke so clearly to me. And he says, your time at the Journey Church is coming to an end. We'd been there 10 years. We'd started off in the living room of my home. We'd transitioned to a rented community facility. Then we got our own building. We refurbished the building. We opened the counseling center. We opened the kids' indoor adventure playground. We were employing staff. Jesus said, I want you to give it all up, all of it. Step down from your position. Relinquish your salary and step out in faith. I'm calling you to a, a, a new ministry. Uh, I want you to spearhead a church planting movement right across Ireland. So we're working with Irish leaders and Irish churches across different networks and streams to create rapid movement of the gospel and the planting of churches. Wow, what a moment that was for me. And the significance of receiving that call while standing on the bridge is that God has called us. This was a revelation from heaven. God has called us to do this ministry while building a stronger kingdom bridge between the United States and Ireland. And I was like, Lord, I only know three Americans and I don't even know any of them that well. I said, Jesus, how are we going to be able to do this? And how am I going to tell my wife? Seven kids, you want us to give up our salary? The Lord says, I'll make a deal with you. He says, we'll do it together. Do you know God calls us to do some tough stuff in life, but there's one thing he never calls us to do, and there's anointing on this. He never calls us to do anything alone. Woo! Isn't that powerful? He never calls us to do anything alone. He says, I'll take your hand and we'll do it together. He doesn't even need me. But he says, I love you so much. I love my kids. I want to involve you in what I'm doing. And I know your knees are shaking and I know you're trembling. And I know you feel this is bigger than you. But listen, we've got it together. And let's go to work together. The same way as a little kid loves going to work with dad, getting his hat on and his wee toy hammer and all of his tools. He says, let's go and do it together. And I said, Lord, how am I going to tell my wife? He says, leave that with me. You can mention it to her, but the reaction's not going to be good. <laughs> so I says, honey, I, I left her for about two weeks of process. That I says, honey, I just want to tell you about an experience I had down in the bridge in the center of Belfast. I told her what I told you with all the same, like enthusiasm, but it was gentle and gracious. She says, that's very, very good. You can do it yourself. <laughs> I was like, what, honey? We need to be in this together. You know, remember the marriage vows? And she says, Gary, we can't. I mean, we've got these seven kids and all that we've done in the Journey Church. We need to continue our work there. And the Lord says, just leave it with me. I had to wait 13 months, 13 months. But it's important to wait, isn't it, on God's timing. And when we're married, can I remind you today, we're supposed to do things together. We're not supposed to run off on our own and do our own thing. We're supposed to be together. 
And 13 months later, my wife had the most incredible supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit. An experience like I have never had on my own. And I'm normally the one who's out there. And the Lord said, I know how to do these things well. I'm famous for doing it. And to cut a long story short, we had two sets of keys, like car keys, home keys, um, disappear and reappear in our home in the middle of the night. Just trust me, we were there together. And God spoke to us in the kitchen of our, our, our own home, and he said, I'm giving you new keys. I'm laying a new level of authority on your lives. We had been at the coast for the day and joined the coast. We got back, put the kids to bed. We hung our keys up in our go-to place. We were about to go to bed. My wife went down to get the keys to lock the back door before we went to bed, and the keys were gone. She thought someone had stolen the car. The car's outside. She opens the blinds, looks out. The cars are there. She begins frantically searching the house. The Lord had been speaking to her and preparing her about something incredible was going to happen. It was the 31st of May last year. She goes back and checks the second time and says, you definitely put the keys there. I said, yes. She goes up onto the first floor of the house, begins to search all the house. She comes down. By this time, it's 2.30 a.m. All the kids in bed. Pitch black outside in the community. And she opens the door the third time. And the two sets of keys are hanging on the hooks. God gave her that experience with me. And the Lord says, the power is in your togetherness. From this moment forth, it's no longer Gary leading out front and you following. You've got to be together. And he said, the Lord said, even though you only know three Americans, you're ready for it. I'm going to declare this in Maine today. He said, I will give you church connections in all 50 U.S. states. If you trust me and follow me. He says, you don't have to have it all figured out. Just obedience. That's our strategy. Pray. Say Pray. And obey. That's it. Seems like the book of Acts, doesn't it? So let me show you a quick map of Ireland. This is a map of Ireland, and we have, we have over 50 towns. That's not even including the cities. We have over 50 towns with a population of 5,000 people or more with no evangelical church. There's a whole story as to how that came about. Don't have time to go into it now. Just to say that I could take you to Towns today with six population of six, seven, eight thousand people, no evangelical church. God says, by my grace, in partnership with folks in the United States, in partnership with leaders and churches across Ireland, we're going to see all of these towns reach for Jesus. We're going to see churches planted in all of these towns. You know, it was during the Irish potato famine around the mid-1800s up to the early 1900s it's estimated there were somewhere between three and four million Irish people relocated to the United States. Many of them brought the gospel here. The Lord says, I'm giving the American people an opportunity to sow back into a nation that blessed them. He says, you go and I'll go with you and we'll do it together. And the Lord's opening doors and my wife's just blown away. She's blown away. She says, Gary, thank you so much for waiting on me. I says, honey, you owe me an apology for how you talked to me that first day I shared the news with you. <laughs> and can I, can I just rejoice today and just speak it out in front of angels and the Father, Son, and Spirit and even demonic forces who watch on and say that my wife and I are enjoying incredible times of devotion with Jesus. 
since, you know, we always have prayed together and lived together, but it's a whole new level now. And, and, and we've been spending more time in prayer and seeking God's face than we've ever done before. And prayer, it's just so key. And we need the help of the Spirit to lead us into greater places of prayer. You get me? That it's not just like, oh, I need to do better. Who's tried that one? You read a, a biography of some famous person in church history, and you're like, I'm going to get up at 4 o'clock every morning, and I'm going to pray for two hours. You start on a Monday, and by about Wednesday, you're like... You know, we need the leading of the Spirit. We need empowerment by the Spirit. We need the grace of God in our lives. And that's what I want to speak to you about just for the time that we have left. I want to speak about the topic of devoted prayer. Devoted prayer. You know, God said, I'm giving you new keys. And when we have keys, isn't it incredible like how a small key can open a huge big door? And there's not even that much effort in it. You just put the little key in in one turn. And the door is opened. And equally important, God knows how to close doors too, doesn't he? Doors that aren't right for us. That's our prayer every day. Lord, open doors, close doors. Prayer is such an incredible privilege, isn't it? And, you know, when Jesus hung on that cross and he cried, it is finished. The scripture says, the veil of the temple, that dividing curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, signifying that the way is opened for us to go right into the presence of God, you know, as priests before the Lord Almighty. You know, we don't, we don't need to go to a priest. We don't need to go to a person. We're sons and daughters. We just step into the presence of God and we just say, good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Jesus. And he says, good morning, son. It's like, what are we going to do today together? And I feel the Lord has given me the privilege and honor. And what a privilege and honor it is to get to know Pastor Quentin and his wife Jennifer and his family. What an incredible work they're doing. I honor you folks so much. And I, I, I said in the first service, and I said again, I really feel the Holy Spirit saying, prepare yourselves as a church. Your, your impact is going to go way beyond Rockport. I believe the Lord wants to use this church. I even had a sense of seeing you guys planting other churches. And even to the nations. In this little, little place here, what God's doing, something special. I travel all around the U.S. There's something incredible happening in this church. Take it from me. And don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. Be, be very careful, very mindful to give him thanks for what he's doing in your church. And he will give you more. He will give you as much as you want. As long as you're willing to keep sacrificing Keep dying to self. But that's where the life of Christ comes. Death to self. That the life of Christ might shine through us. That's where the power comes. Yeah, that's where the fruit comes. You know, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit demonstrate the character of God. And the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit show the power of God. And God wants to reveal both of them more and more to you as a community. But he wants us to be in that continual devotion to prayer. What does it mean to be devoted? It means to be set apart for something or someone. And God says, I want you to be set apart for me. I want you to be sanctified. I want you to surrender 100% of who you are and what you have. Not 80%, not 90%, not 50%, everything. And I believe even from experience that some of the complications and the challenges that we face are because we're not fully surrendered. There's a lack of power to cut through those barriers. There's a lack of power to speak the mountains and see them move. 
because Jesus doesn't have full control. There's still areas of our private life, corridors and rooms in our minds that we're not allowing him into. It says no entry. You're not allowed there. They're my private thoughts. That particular, you can have access to some of that bank account, but you see that one over there with those extra savings and the stocks and shares? They're mine. Jesus says, just open the door and let me into everything. Don't fear, because when we surrender to God, we end up being richer in Jesus than we ever imagined. That's what we're all longing for. We're all longing for more of the presence of God. And it comes through a life of being devoted to prayer. That means making prayer a way of life, okay? Praying over our kids on the way to school. Praying over people after church. Praying over someone in the parking lot, in the doctor's surgery, in the dentist's surgery, in the chemist. You guys call that the pharmacy, don't you? In the chemist. You know, it's like Holy Spirit, help me to be someone who releases the kingdom and the presence of God over people in my sphere of influence. You know, sometimes it can be awkward and difficult to like to maybe break into that sort of gospel conversation with someone. But maybe just, you know, to stop someone as they're maybe sharing a bit of problem in their life and just saying, hey, hey Jennifer, would, would you mind if I, if I prayed for you? And I tell you, you'll be very surprised the number of people who accept prayer. You see, the enemy whispers in her ear, don't do that. You know, you're not worthy to do that. You're not capable of doing that. And when you do that, they're going to laugh at you. I tell you, you try it this week. I encourage every one of you to pray for someone who you don't know this week when you're out and about in your life. And the Holy Spirit will bring the opportunity about. You remember? The new covenant relationship with Jesus is all about the Holy Spirit given to us permanently. He provides the opportunities. It's not like, oh, I got to get an opportunity and I got to work one and I got to work this out. And that's exhausting. It's more like, Holy Spirit, you lead the way. And the Lord brings you into a situation and you meet someone maybe in work and you're standing in the corridor at work and they just begin to tell you about their life. And the Holy Spirit says, now's the time. Offer the person prayer. And when you release that prayer over them, you're releasing the power and presence of Jesus over them. You're releasing the gospel over them. And they'll maybe say stuff to you like, oh, I feel so different. What's happening? And then you, have, you say, well, I'll tell you what, there's something going on at church. Do you want to come along? Do you want to come over to my house or whatever's going on in the life of your church? But it's all about being set apart and devoted to prayer. Are you enjoying the word? Yeah. Good. Are you still hanging in there with the accent? Yeah. Okay. We're having too much longer to go. But notice what it says, Colossians chapter 4. Verse 2, there we have a verse which says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Watchful and thankful. There's great power in thankfulness. And I believe thankfulness attracts the favor of God. And when we return thanks, God just takes great delight in that. How do you feel when you give something to another person that costs you something and they don't thank you? You don't feel good about that, do you? How do you think God feels when he showers us with incredible blessings in our lives and we just don't go back to give thanks? I mean, think, you know, think about our lives. Like We need to give thanks more. I encourage you this week, why not set a little reminder on your phone, like a little alarm, maybe to go off at 8 o'clock in the morning or noon or 9 o'clock at night, whatever works best for you. Just a reminder that every day this week, you're going to take two minutes just not to ask God for anything, just to give him thanks. 
And you watch how it increases the power and presence of Jesus on your life. Because we're getting our hearts back to that posture of worship and acknowledging that everything we have comes from Christ. And in the same way the thanksgiving attracts the favor of God, I believe that complaining opens a door for demonic influence in our lives. You know where it says in the book of James, don't let the sun go down in your wrath, neither give a foothold to the devil. That means that the devil can get a foothold. It means that we can give him a foothold. And one way we do that is complaining. I hate my job. I hate my life. You know, I wish I had that. I don't like this house I live in. You know, why not flip that around and start giving thanks for what you have? And then saying, Lord, I thank you that you're changing my situation. Praying for what God's going to do in the future. I thank you, Lord, you're going to provide for me. I thank you you're going to lead me out of this job and be a new job in your time. I thank you, Lord, even though I'm single, you're going to bring someone into my life who's going to be my, my, my spouse. You see? Flip it on its head and, and, and start, start giving thanks and see, see the Lord beginning to work, work powerfully. So we're to pray, we're to be devoted to prayer with thankfulness. And notice what the text says, watchfulness. That, is, that means that, you know, our prayers aren't just like rigid, you know. They're all set in stone. Now, I'm not, I think prayerless is a good thing to remind us what to pray for, but also spontaneous prayers yeah. in the car, in work, when we're out and about. As we see God moving the pieces of the chessboard, we respond to that. Oh, Lord, thank you for what you're doing over there. You know, maybe if you're a girl and you're looking at a guy in your life and some good handsome guy comes to church, you can say, Lord, thank you for the guy that just came through the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Be with it. God is doing things all around us. Jesus says in, in, in the Gospels, he says, my father works and I work. You see, the Lord is always at work. He's always at work. It's just the case of whether you have eyes to see in the spirit. And when you're devoted to prayer and the relationship, the channel is open between you and heaven, you begin to see. You begin to see beyond the natural. You begin to see beyond the problem you actually begin to see the solution because the Holy Spirit loves to give heaven's solutions to earth's problems. And opposition, everyone faces opposition. Opposition is an invitation. Say that with me. Opposition is an invitation. And here's what it's an invitation to, to receive greater grace. Okay? Sometimes me, you know, I mope a bit and I complain a bit too. Before I get into prayer, I'm like a timid little pussycat. And then we get into the place of prayer and we come out and we're like a lion. We're like, bring it on. Bring it on. What's that? That's the life of Christ in us. That's the power of the Spirit in us. That's what grace does. It gives you a strength and an energy that's not your own. Oh, I can testify today at 45 years of age, I have greater energy, strength, and passion than I have ever had. I feel like I'm 18 my wife says, well, you don't look it anymore. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, that's what, that's what the scripture says. Psalm 103, verse 5. The Lord satisfies our mouth with good things. He restores our youth like the eagles. Woo! Come on, 60-year-old. Come on, seriously, 70-year-old. You who think you're done. You who think your best days are behind you. The Lord says, I want to renew your youth like the eagles. I have a work for you to do in this day and age. 
But we must be devoted to prayer. We must be thankful and watchful. Our schools are out during July and August. And every morning during this past summer, our six-year-old kid, our youngest boy, Joshua, he came into our bedroom every morning around the same time, about 7 a.m. And he says, Mom and Dad, what are we doing today? (laughs) Didn't matter what we were doing yesterday. Didn't matter what we're going to do tomorrow. What are we doing today? And we're like, Joshy, we were out at the coast yesterday and we spent all the money we have. And No, 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 no. Come on, Mom and Dad. What are we doing today? You see, that's the way kids live. They don't live in the past or they don't live in the future. They live in the present. And the Lord says, I'm calling you back to childlike faith, to be present in the moment, to be enjoying your life now, enjoying where you are on the way to where you're going. Amen? And being thankful and saying, I'm going to enjoy my life today. It might not be everything that I want it to be, but I praise God that it's not what it used to be. Right? And we need to be engaged in the present, in our conversations, with our kids. And not just thinking, oh, when everything changes in the future, somewhere down along the line, then I'll surrender everything to Jesus. It doesn't work like that. Because you know what's going to happen? When you get down the line and things change, you still won't surrender. Because it's to do with your heart. And we need to surrender now to experience the so much more of God. Like little Joshy, excited to live for today. And I believe God is releasing, even in his house this morning, just a fresh spirit of adventure. That God wants to restore joy over our life with him again. Who's up for more joy? Yes, come on. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Don't you tell me you can't do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Of course, if you're living in the flesh and living a prayerless life, living a life of sin and disobedience, being horrible to other people, you're not walking in truth, you're not going to have any strength. You're not going to have any strength. You wonder why you've lost your way. God says, come back to that place of devotion and first love. That's what he's calling us back to, the place of joy and the place of of delight. I want to finish with this incredible verse and I want to pray over you just as we just as we close. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8, we have this incredible verse which talks about the grace of God that's released over our lives when we're walking in fellowship and harmony with the living God. The grace of God is released. And I define grace as God's enabling power. That's what grace is. He comes to us and gives to us what we need in order that we might be the people he's called us to be and do the work that he's called us to do. And we're like, Lord, your grace brings an energy. Who needs some energy? Who needs an energy that coffee can't bring? Come on. Who needs a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, I want to be revitalized for you. This is what we need in Ireland. This is what we need in Rockport across the United States. And this bridge that we're building, remember a bridge is two-way. I don't know what's going to cross it. But Jesus knows and I'm up for it. And I hope you are too. Listen to this verse. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that you having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. Someone who abounds is, that that speaks of abundance. Abundance. That's an overcomer. That's not just getting through or getting by. 
This is an overflow from heaven that's touching our lives. This covers everything. It says all things, all times, that there's provision for all of it. Do you know that when Jesus died in the cross, that he didn't just die for the forgiveness of your sins? As incredibly amazing as that is, he died that he might provide everything that you need to live the life that he's called you to live. Would you stand with me? And we're going to read this verse together. Would you help me with the alls? See, when we get to the alls, all grace, all sufficiency, all things at all times, would you help me with the alls, like the all grace? And when we declare this today as as a people, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So Lord, we worship you today. Lord, we thank you that you came to give us life and life to the full. You came to bring us joy. Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for fresh surrender, fresh obedience, fresh repentance. I pray for the influence of the anchor in Rockport and beyond. Holy Spirit, come. Keep the leaders humble and hungry. Keep the people hungry and hum- uh, humble and hungry. And Lord, for the nation of Ireland, we pray revival. We pray for every town, every village, every city to be flooded with the gospel and new churches to be planted, life-giving churches that can lead people into the fullness of life in Christ. We worship you, Lord. We're so thankful for your salvation and we're excited for the rest of the day. Lord, we can't wait for Monday morning. What are you going to do this week, Lord? We're watching, we're praying, we're anticipating. You're going to provide this week. Ours is the victory in Christ. He's for us, not against us. God is for us, not against us. Can we say that together? God is for us, not against us. Again, God is for us, not against us. Lord, we're humbled and we're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.